We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you on a Friday that the Knicks play a game tonight. Very excited. Uh, they play the Cleveland Cavaliers, who we have played twice this season already. Um, somehow we're already playing them a third time in the first 20 games, but uh, that is uh, life in the wild and wacky NBA in uh, the year 2021. Um, so to commemorate this game tonight, we're doing a little uh, little crossover pod. I'm joined today by the host of the Chase Down Pod, which is obviously a Cleveland Cavaliers-centric podcast, uh, Justin Rowan. Um, and we talk about... Team building. We talk about um, this year's Cavs, this year's Knicks, uh, some similarities, some differences. It was a really insightful conversation because I love hearing about um, perspectives of other people who cover other teams about our team because I think it puts a lot of things into uh, I think a lot of puts a lot of things into you know a clearer light. And Justin was really good. So we recorded this um, on uh, Thursday night, so the night before uh, the Knicks play. So that's coming up in uh, just a couple of minutes. Uh, Also, just want to remind everybody, public service announcement, all-star voting. We don't usually have to worry about that because we don't usually have anyone on our team that warrants getting voted to an all-star game. But this season, a little different. Um, Mr. Julius Randall, yes, he of the what is he at? Twenty-two points, eleven rebounds, six assists, somewhere around there. Um, 
He is absolutely in the running for a spot. Uh, so voting is open. I am actually going to be running a contest on my Twitter account every day. So voting is open until February 16th. So every day until then, I'm going to be giving out, uh, giving out one free subscription to the Knicks Film School newsletter. And all you need to do is, uh, check out my, um, you know, tweet. Uh, that'll start a thread. I think I'll probably send it out around noon every day and uh, reply to it or quote tweet it with uh, hashtag Julius Randall and hashtag NBA All-Star. And then at five o'clock every day, I will pick one winner. And hopefully over the course of the next, you know, three weeks, we could help Mr. Randall accumulate some votes because listen, this is important. Like it's really a feather in the cap. I don't know what the proper analogy is, but like if you're a team that has an NBA all-star on your roster, you are on your way to somewhere good. You're doing something right and call it a building block, call it whatever you want. The fact that we as fans can kind of help control the destiny of this team in some small, you know, almost insignificant way like, that's cool. We don't usually get to do that. But if Julius Randle gets voted an all-star, then, you know, people around the league could look around in New York and say, hey, they have an all-star on their roster. Um, and if you're so inclined to vote for R.J. Barrett, too, um, I, I don't quite think he has played up to an all-star level, but he's he's been damn good. So uh, vote for R.J., vote for Mitch, vote for anybody you want, but definitely vote for Julius Randle. And again, I'm running that contest on my Twitter, uh, JC Macri NBA. Um, I think that is it. So yeah, let's, uh, head into the weekend strong. And once again, here is my conversation with host of the chase down pod, Justin Rowan. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, uh, if you are a person who follows the NBA, it doesn't matter what team you follow, the Knicks or otherwise, uh, you have probably heard this person. You have probably um, seen this person on Twitter because he is all over the place. He has very good takes. Some are hot, but I love it because his hot takes are like, you know what? That's a hot take. But I can get down with that. I, I feel where he's coming from. Uh, he's the host of the Chase Down Pod, uh, another pod here on the Blue Wire uh, Pod Network. Justin Rowan. Justin, thank you for joining me, my man. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the uh, the intro. I'm flattered. I, I hope not that many people know who I am because uh, <laughs> being exposed to what I bring to the table is just that's not something I wish on too many people, especially strangers. But uh, I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, no. Say, say, why wouldn't you want to be exposed? Exposure is a wonderful <laughs> thing. Um, you no. Know, so let's let's start here. Um, if you would have told me, I guess, what, five weeks ago, um, five and a half, whatever it is, um, that you would be doing um, a, a pod in which you and a Cavs podcast host were talking about the the scintillating game that was on the schedule between the New York Knickerbockers and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And so, uh, so I know what my reaction would have been if someone had told that to me. What would your reaction have been? <laughs> well, you know what? I would have some disbelief, but uh, going into this season, obviously there was some understanding that there was going to be weirdness with COVID and whatnot. Um, my gut reaction to that would be, okay, well, sounds like I was right about the Cavs young guys and they got off to a good start, capitalize on some of these easy games. 
And my large adult son, Rowan Barrett Jr., is killing it for the New York Knicks, which, you know what? Not too far from the truth. So uh, I'm I'm happy that this is a meaningful game because this is actually like six and eight seed, right? Kaz and Knicks. Uh, this is going to matter for standings and whatnot. And uh, it, it's it's a good step in the right direction for both franchises. Well, that, that's actually a good place to start because um, unless I miss something, it was just us and you guys uh, for that Vegas put at the, the, the good old 22 and a half number <laughs> before the season. I don't think anyone else was quite that low. Um, it, I know at least here, there are still a lot of fans who are, I'm not going to say upset about what's happening, but like they were all in on the, uh, I don't know what your terminology is. We, I, I prefer fade for Cade, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that brigade. Um, are there, are, is, is the opinion in Cleveland, like this is a good thing. Let's just win some games and we'll figure out the rest later. Or are, th- are there any people who are like, let this is too much too fast or something? I, I think there's a healthy mix, and I, I think the Cavs and Knicks are in a very similar spot. Um, I think both teams are benefiting from an improvement uh, in on the coaching front. Um, I, I think both teams um, are well-prepared in comparison to last season. And when you are well-prepared, you're going out there and you're battling and you're playing hard, you're, you're going to take advantage of a lot of these teams, especially those that aren't necessarily in full gear. Um my thoughts going into this season, especially looking at the schedule early on, was that the Cavs were going to start hot and that come February, uh, things would kind of start to fall apart. You look at the schedule and it's basically like Clippers, Bucks, Bucks, <laughs> Clippers again. Like it, it's just a, a brutal three week stretch. And I, I think both teams are still at a point where they're really heavily reliant on the young guys to go out there and initiate the offense to, to close games. And whenever that's the case, I think you're going to get enough losses organically. I don't necessarily foresee both of these teams um, being in the playoff picture long-term this season, but with the new lottery odds, and you guys are very familiar with it, with the way that the Knicks have dropped, like your best route when it comes to team building, I think is just focusing on internal development, trying to get accountability because the odds are so flat that you basically have the same chance of jumping up there. And if you're the six or seven best lottery odds, your your chances of being in the top four isn't that different than if you completely disregarded your team's development and just focused on draft lottery odds. And look look at the teams that were went far in the playoffs last year. Like it was all internal development, not necessarily high picks. So just focus on what you can control. And I, I think both teams are going in the right direction when it comes to that. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious to get one one more of your your takes on this because I know for me, I go I think about this partially as like, as you said, a development thing, right? Like we have mm-hmm. to see progress from the young players. And if that progress nets an extra win or two, then so be it. But there's another part of me that, and maybe just because we've had a certain organizational stink on us for most mm-hmm. of the last 20 years, that just feels like get some good press. Like, you know, it's like, I know the, you know, the players might not necessarily read it, but there is like a, you get a vibe around the team. And I just felt like we needed to get away from the, um, you know, my, my go-to is like the jump, right? Like what, what are they saying today about, you know, what's the LOL next line today? Do, do you feel like for the Cavs, it's like more of one, more of the other, a mix of both or what's important to you for, for, for this season for them? 
Yeah, I mean, what I wanted out of this season, my goal. So I, I predicted 27 wins for the Cavs. I still feel pretty good about that number. Um, in all likelihood, Andre Drummond's going to be moved at, at some point in the next month or two. And while that's a good long-term move, um, that's going to set them back a little bit. Showing some strength, showing um, some sort of this is what the Cavs are, displaying an identity, having accountability without LeBron James is one of the most important things that this franchise can do. And I, I think the Knicks are in a similar position where... I mean, look at the market, right? Like it, the amount of times that it's been, oh yeah, uh, free agents are, are going to go to the Knicks or whatever the case may be. I mean, I I, I could recall a couple of those. I could recall I, I, a couple I still, times. <laughs> I still am of the belief, that, uh, based on what I heard and, and just kind of the my gut feeling that if KD doesn't get hurt and Kyrie and KD are ready to go year one, that they would end up in the Knicks with the Knicks. But like the Knicks have a, an advantage over the Cavs, which is if you do display that stability uh that that you're actually a well-run organization i think that's going to attract players like i i think that they can actually be a player in the free agent market whereas the Cavs, you just got to focus on developing guys and then if you develop enough players you can identify a core you can consolidate some of that assets and pull a toronto where you're trading for a disgruntled star and cashing in on some of those guys you developed like even though both teams are operating at a different level when it comes to what advantages they have in that market, I, I still think trying to run things, do things the right way, be properly coached, hold players accountable, uh, make guys earn minutes. I, I think that's just a, a really healthy approach to uh, basketball in today's NBA. I completely agree. Um, it, to me, it's kind of obvious when you look at the teams that do well. Um, I, I, I wonder how much, not to get off on a tangent, but I wonder how much the Sixers tanking and then getting those guys influenced the the discourse and maybe specifically the Twitter discourse for a couple of years. Mm. I feel like that was a lot of people's go-tos for like, well, of course, tanking works stupid. Look at what look at what the, the Sixers did. And mm. I, I guess that story has yet to be written in terms of an ending. But yeah, but I don't know. I agree at, with look you. Look at like the, the final eight of last year's playoffs like th that was one thing that we did because we run a Cavs podcast and there was nine months off and <laughs> like it, we we had to find things to talk about and we talked about what lessons you could take from a team building standpoint with the final eight Denver Utah uh, Miami uh, all these teams they built organically they didn't have top 10 picks they just focus on player development they're always competitive they're always up there they're able to cash in like look at denver they're in a prime position to trade for bradley beal now and maybe take that next leap as a team uh utah ha has done such a great job like you took the words out of my mouth with utah go kicking the crap out of dallas without donovan mitchell haven't had a top 10 pick since uh it's dante exum i think mm -hmm. yeah like what team that's tanked has got to the conference finals as a result of the players they got. Like, yeah, the Cavs tank, but the, the reason they were good, like, yes, it got them Kyrie, but LeBron coming back and all the assets to trade for Kevin Love, like, that's why they got there. It's basically like OKC, and outside of that, um, it's all been player development. Golden State's a prime example of that as well. So uh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee's a fantastic example. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously they hit a home run with Giannis, but look what they turned Chris Middleton into. Like, look what they've managed to do with their supporting cast. It, it's got, Tor Toronto was another great example. Like, none of these teams really had high, high lottery picks. And I think in today's NBA, 
you look at the draft, there are good players. Like the guys that go like from 15 to 25 might've been a fringe lottery picks before. There's so much talent and so much depth coming into the league that I, I think you can just focus on figuring out how good your team currently is and develop whatever players you get. If you get lottery luck, you do. If you don't, make the most of the guy you pick. See, that's an interesting. So there's so many places I want to go because you brought a couple <laughs> of things that I want to hit on. Let's stick with that for a second because you, you mentioned young core, right? Um, and I almost am curious from a perspective, from your perspective as, because uh, I think most NBA, maybe casual fans, maybe even, you know, people who cover the sport for a living would look at the Cavs young core and would look at the Knicks young core and say, you know, they're maybe not even, but I, I, to, for me, at least, I don't see a massive difference between the two. I would mm-hmm. personally give the edge to you guys because I think Sexton has the highest ceiling. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving. Let's leave Julius Randle and um, Andre Drummond out of this conversation for the for the moment. But like so the guys on rookie contracts, I guess, as it were, um, mm-hmm. I see Sexton as having the highest ceiling of any of them. But I guess are you a fan of RJ enough to put him ahead of Colin? I'm curious where your where your take is on this. Yeah, I mean, I was incredibly high on RJ coming into the draft. I, uh, last year hurt a little bit, but at the same time, the Knicks just didn't have spacing, and he's a slasher. Like, th- these guys need time. And Darius Garland, it's been the same thing. I actually think Garland has the highest ceiling out of any of the Cavs young guys. Really? Uh, More than Sexton? Yeah. I, I think Sexton certainly has the highest floor. Like, he's playing like an all-star right now. He He's going to be that. And with his work ethic, like, I, I'm very open to changing my opinion on that. Um, but Garland was supposed to be in that R.J. Barrett, John Morant tier, and last year was just not healthy. And and now we're seeing the flashes as a starter. He's averaging 17-7 really efficiently, making next-level passes. And I just think those live dribble shooters that can create for other guys at a high level are incredibly valuable in today's NBA. Um, but R.J. Barrett, like, I, I still believe in his star potential. Uh, a lot of these guys develop at different paces. Like, look at Dame Lillard. Like, it took yeah. him four years in college uh, and being drafted to a really good team, but it took him a long time before he was prepared. And I think so much of this, like we used to basically your rookie contract, it's just about we're going to pump these guys up. What do they do well? What's the great stories with them? Now we're having conversations about year one and two guys. Like, do they play a winning style basketball? Can can you win with Trey Young and stuff like that? We are rushing to these second contract conversations, whereas we should just be focusing on, okay, what are kind of the high watermarks in their performances? What are the flashes that they're bringing to the table? How much growth have they had? And I I just think we are skipping steps often in the coverage. I mean, you're, you're talking to someone who has had Nick fans seek me out over the last week or two being like, Obi Toppin's a bust. We blew it. We screwed up. And look, he he may be. Who knows what's going to happen? But like kids played 10 games, I think. Uh, Seven, eight, whatever. Uh, I I completely agree with you. Uh, So two guys I want to hear your opinion on. One for the Knicks and and one for the Cavs. Um, Isaac Okoro ended up third, I think, on my board. uh, My final draft pick. Like that means anything. Um, Everybody and their mother is a draft pick board. He was third on mine. Um, I just I was really impressed by like the person um, mm-hmm. and I 
thought the game would translate. And then the other guy, I'm curious what your view on in terms of where you see him as like a, a valuable asset. Um, Cause he ha- did have one very good game against you guys is Emmanuel quickly. So whichever order you want to go in. Yeah. Uh, so Okoro, um, he had moved up to, I think second on my board. I, I really liked Okongwu. I'm still a huge believer in him. I, I think Atlanta did a great job there. Um, but Okoro, hearing the work ethic with him is just one of the biggest things because uh, part of the Cavs drafting philosophy uh, under Kobe Altman has been, they've been getting guys from team USA, Garland, Sexton, Okoro, uh, even Jared Allen were standouts there. And, and Altman's been very involved with team USA. Um, So, what they are getting are these high upside or high work ethic guys, high character guys. Uh, it certainly helps that they already have relationships like Okoro and Sexton are friends. Yeah. Uh, Garland and Kevin Porter Jr., who's no longer on the team, they were friends. But like they, these guys don't have to leave to go team up with their buddies if they ever become good. But um, with Okoro, like already the best perimeter defender on the Cavs, like just really, really blowing me away on that end of the floor. Um, the offense is going to take some time, but I, I think the jumper mechanics are better than when he was in college. Uh, the Cavs have had success uh, developing jump shots with Larry Nance Jr. Jetty Osmond couldn't shoot. Even Tristan Thompson was hitting threes. Colin Sexton couldn't shoot. <laughs> and and he's at like 45% over his last 30 games and 40% for his career. Like um, this player development staff is some uh, a group that I believe in. Um, so I'm, I'm high on him. Like I, I don't necessarily see all-star upside, but I do see like maybe first team all defense. Like I, I think this guy can really, really make an impact and quickly he's really impressed me. Like, Oh my God. Like yet another these are the reactions Ken- I wanted from you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like another Kentucky guy that just is thriving with the NBA spacing. Like mm-hmm. even though the Knicks spacing is an ideal, it's better. Um, I, I think one of well, the, it's better when he's out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think one of the benefits to what the Knicks are doing, like having accountability, being well coached, playing hard is you get minutes that are more valuable when it comes to player development. When you're down 20 every single night, when you're looking at the film and you're saying, well, I blew that defensive assignment. Well, you know, when we're better and we're trying harder and the games are closer, I'm going to try. No, when you're actually trying every single possession, you have more usable game film. You you have more things to go off of. Um, I think that's part of why Kevin Knox is playing a little better this year, too, because he understands what his responsibilities are are supposed to be still inconsistent. But I I think you're you're getting more usable. It's uh, a step up. Yeah, he's he's an NBA player um, most nights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was great. Wasn't really the case before. But was um, But but quickly is just one of those guys that like you can tell right away. All right, he's got something. He he stands out. You notice him on the floor, and that's one of the biggest things, especially for a young player. If you, he's out there, he's assertive, and you notice him and that he's doing good things and, and multiple good things. That that's just a great sign, and uh, it's it's huge, huge for their rebuild. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, obviously in New York, we we tend to get excited when we have good young players. So there, there's a line of people just waiting to to build the statue to Emmanuel <laughs> quickly. Uh, I'm at the front. Ready of that to build line. it quickly? Would you say? Oh, I think we might. I think we might. You're a podcast host. Um, <laughs> You uh, you brought up the name of Mr. Andre Drummond. Um, boy, I, is is there a more fascinating? I don't want to say player because it's like we know what Andre Drummond is, but like just situation because you got okay. So expiring twenty eight million, mm-hmm. not nothing in a league where 
are owners hemorrhaging money? I, we don't really know. Maybe I, whatever. Um, he's, is he going to be an all-star? I mean, he's in the, he has to be in the conversation, right? Doesn't he? <laughs> he? He might be. I mean, especially if the Cavs stay up there. I Maybe mean, just because he's put up 25 and 20 in two games against us. Uh, it's and, and he's been part, uh, a big part of them having a top 10 defense this year. They yeah. went from the worst defense in history to a top 10 defense. And he he, he and Larry Nance Jr. are the biggest parts of that so far this season. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's been internal growth, adding a Coro, adding yeah. wings that can play. all Like, that all helps. But, I mean, defense in the NBA, it, the, it's the front court that makes the biggest impact. It's a it's a unique situation. So, I, What do you what, want to happen? Let's start there before we talk about what you think will happen. Yeah, so I'm what I want to happen lines up pretty well with what I think is going to happen. So okay. when they traded for Andre Drummond, I, I think there was an experiment aspect of this where they thought they were going to get 20 plus games of him with the young guys, see what that does for Garland, for Sexton, for Kevin Porter Jr. at the time, who were all good pick and roll players in college, but weren't playing pick and roll in the NBA because John Bayline wanted to do his kind of pretty dribble <laughs> uh, handoff offense and all the stuff that makes you uh, fawn over a coach, which just wasn't working they were trying to do too many things but obviously COVID struck they didn't really get more than eight games with Drummond uh they tried to work out an extension uh prior to the season they were too far apart on where they valued him and once that happened it was pretty clear okay they're going to try to flip him now the can I just was, ask real quick do you know what those because I have I wasn't didn't really read any reporting into specifics of what his camp wanted versus what yeah. you guys wanted to offer do you have any sense of what that was I, I think the Cavs were probably closer to 20 based on kind of reporting. Okay. Um, a 20 year, maybe shorter term than he wanted, where he okay. kind of wants to stay closer to where he's at. And I mean, him playing well now, like, let's be honest, I'd probably rather pay him than Gordon Hayward uh, at this point. Like, uh, when you're talking about that range of money, I don't think he'll go that high. I yeah. think he'll probably be closer to 25. Okay. Um, but. I think part of the thought, too, was like the Cavs, part of why they've been able to restock the cupboard is they've taken on bad money for assets. Like mm -hmm. part of that, like they did the same thing when they took on John Henson, uh, flipping George Hill, and they got the Bucks pick, which then turned into Jared Allen. John Henson, they flipped into Andre Drummond because Detroit didn't want to pay for another year and a half. And going into this free agency class, the thought was this is going to be a fantastic class. And not only can Drummond help you as a rental, he can clear up $28 million in cap space for a team. So there, there was a thought that there'd be value in that. Obviously, the class isn't as good as they anticipated, but um, Brian Windhorst has reported that there is a market out there for Andre Drummond. I, I know the Clippers have been mentioned. Uh, Kevin O'Connor mentioned the Mavericks and Raptors. Um, so as long as like all they really gave for Andre Drummond was John Henson in a second. Now that you have Jared Allen, he wants to be in Cleveland long-term. They're clearly going to find a big extension there for him. Flipping Drummond to get more long-term assets and maybe someone that could help you now, a backup center or uh, backup point guard, which they, they need at this point. Um, I, I think that that would be a smart move that helps them both now and in the future. 
at the risk of getting canceled by my own listeners, um, I have to ask, is there any pack? I, Cause I don't think it's the right move for the next. Uh, and I, I, I just went on a rant about Mitchell Robinson cause he sent out and then deleted a tweet the other day that I did not care for. We don't have to talk about it, but I think, you know, Mitch still has a high upside. I, I, <laughs> I believe in the upside. I, I, and also Obi Toppin, I, I think his future is going to, whether by hook or by crook playing a lot of five and he's going to have to figure out how to do that on the defensive end. Mm. Um, so no, I don't want Andre Drummond, but I do think it's an interesting conversation just because I don't, like you said, what's going to be the market for him? Is it going to be cheap? Is there anything on the Knicks that you would want for, for Andre Drummond? Uh, Frankie smokes would, would excite me. Uh, I'd like to have him as a backup point guard. Um, I'd like to get him in the mix there. I, I think he can help replicate uh, what they were getting from Exum in the very few games that he was healthy. Um, I, I really don't think there'd be too high of a price. Like I, I Interesting. think if you could get um, uh, Nilakina, um, maybe some second round picks and salary filler. Um, I'd be on board with that. I, I know the Cavs had some interest in Mitchell Robinson, uh, closer to draft night. Um, I forget who had the report, but basically he, he was somewhat in the mix. If they were trading back, obviously okay. you, you don't have, uh, that kind of value where you're moving up from eight to five, uh, like you would have on draft night. I, I think a lot of the Cavs, Obi Top and Smoke was trying to get that done with the Knicks. Uh, they were just going with Okoro. Um, smart, smart, uh, smart move. Yeah. <laughs> and good job by, if I'll say, I'll compliment Leanne Rose. Good job by Leanne Rose not jumping at that and trusting that Toppin would fall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it ended up working out uh, for the Knicks. And I, I think Obi at eight, I, I, to, to speak to him just a little bit. Like, I, sure, I think please. he's going to be a, a really polished offensive player. I think he's smart. I think he's a good passer. Uh, defense, obviously, a concern. Um, but I, I do think especially in this draft where there's not really a whole lot of cornerstone guys uh, that were available. I think Obi at eight is absolutely fine. I I think Knicks fans will eventually learn to love him. Um, But yeah, in terms of like a Drummond return, um, I I wouldn't really be asking for the moon and the stars now if uh, you could get Nilakina and maybe another, like I, I, would have to look at the the salaries, but just get I mean, the money work and a couple second round picks works for me. If it's just about the money, it's you know Nilakina and uh, Noel would be very close because yeah, that's not bad. 20, we have seventeen in cap space. He's making twenty. It might come down to like a few hundred thousand dollars. I'd have to look at the the the, the books on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a bunch of second round picks. All of a sudden, go figure. Yeah. Um, Drummond can go home, baby. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <laughs> yes, you could. You know, it's. I. I you know, th- you know, Tibbs would love him. Oh you know, my Tibbs God. would absolutely love him. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's like, but again, that gets into like the whole thing we started out the conversation with, which this this line between like. Okay, so winning helps development, right? And like being in games that matter help development and all that stuff. But what happens when the games that matter, Mitchell Robinson is now playing 15 minutes a game as opposed to 25 or 28 minutes a game. It's, it's, that hurts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's so I, I'm curious to see what they're going to do, but it, maybe that has to do with their long-term opinion of Mitch. A couple more and then I'm going to get you out of here. Um, I, I have to, to ask about the decision because um, – the decision is one of the most painful sports memories for me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, the guy never played for my team. Um, not, not for one second. And <laughs> I had uh, successfully talked myself into, of course, he's going to come to New York. Why, why would he not come to New York? It, it, we're, we're New York. We're the best. Right. Uh, this is how New Yorkers think in case you were unclear. Um, is there still any lingering anything from that or or is the city pretty much over it so so there are lingering parts to it like when he did come back um i was someone that was a little skeptical with the letter um i, I mean it was kind of proven uh, the skepticism because after like a month or two in cleveland they had a below 500 record and he was already flirting with going back to miami and you got to make all these trades so no it's not just about coming home and uh, I think it was more about what the Cavs actually were able to accumulate in assets. Like Kyrie Irving was a big draw. The fact that they could trade for Kevin Love and had that deal lined up was a big draw for LeBron to come back. Like, I think people forget Kevin Love was supposed to be the number two and Kyrie was supposed to be the number three at that time. And it just worked oh my out goodness, you're right. the other way because uh, yeah. Love was talked about like a top five player. So getting that deal lined up was a big part of him coming back. Uh, personally, the decision I've described as probably the best thing that's happened to me as a sports fan, uh, like sucked, absolutely sucked. But after that, I learned to stop living and dying with the results of every single game. I managed to put things in a little bit better perspective. You go through the real crap years with the Cavs. Um, for me, it also just kind of timing. I was, um, in, in college at the time, uh, of the decision, um, just learning, like, am I a Cavs fan or am I a LeBron fan? My allegiances mm, stayed with stayed with the Cavs, and and that's when I actually ended up starting getting involved with blogging at Fear the Sword, eventually starting the podcast, and you know, like I've I've really enjoyed the experience, and like it just it was it kind of forced me to grow up as a fan, and for that reason, um, it helped give me the perspective that I have now, right? Like where. Yeah, I, I put into perspective that basketball is supposed to be fun. And that's one of the biggest things I do on my podcast because there's so, <laughs> so many, like, there shouldn't be a lane for someone like me, but there is because so much of the coverage is everyone sucks except for two teams. No, basketball's fun. It's more, it's about more than just winning championships. Uh, there's m- so much talent in the NBA right now. Even the yeah. non-playoff uh, teams have so much young talent that's worth caring about, that's worth tuning in and figuring out what's going on with their development. And when you actually respect how much talent there is in the game, you don't feel as frustrated when your team loses because you don't think there's only two good teams and how are we losing to all these bums? So for me, um, it's been a positive overall, even though it was obviously just one of the worst things uh, at the time. 
Yeah, I, I can't imagine it. Um, is is he? This is, may sound like a silly question. Is he your favorite Cav ever still? Ooh, I, I think Kyrie overtook him. Um, I wow. don't have I don't have the allegiances I do now, but like Ky, Kyrie really, um, he he came around just at the right time. Okay, and and I think it was 2013. I, I have a now deleted tweet that I regret. Um, <laughs> everybody has those (laughs) yeah 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 um but i i had a tweet basically saying one i predicted the Cavs would win a title in 2015 because i said that lebron was going to come back because Kyrie's that good and i also had a tweet that i said all i want is for the Cavs to have Kyrie take a shot for the championship i will live with the results one way or another (laughs) oh my god that's great that's yeah. beautiful. And uh, unfortunately, the injuries, uh, like my personal opinion is both teams healthy. The results flip. The Cavs won in 2015, Warriors won in 2016. And I would have loved to see a rubber match. But I'm I'm very happy with the way the results uh, played out because it, it's more fun from a narrative standpoint. It was, you know, I, um, I, I had my own personal issues with LeBron after the decision. Like a lot of the country just like mm-hmm. was like, how could you do this and go there? And like. Something the the night of the chase down, uh, as it were, um, I something happened that night where I'm like, okay, I respect him. It's mm-hmm. it's cool. All all sins forgiven. All right, um, last one's a two parter. It's prediction time. So uh, first, we got to predict predict what happens um, on uh, we're well, we're recording this on Thursday. So what happens tomorrow night, Friday Friday game against these two teams in Madison Square Garden for the first time in the regular season at least, and then second part of the prediction. Um, which team do you think gets to, I'm not going to say like which team wins a championship first, but like which team do you think will be able to elevate themselves to even like semi contender status first? <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm going to go Homer and pick the Cavs. Um, I'm I was hoping ne- you would. I'm a little nervous with Larry Nance Jr. kind of being questionable, but okay. you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that he'll be back. Um, Who's going to be – see, I think the Cavs are going to be a playoff team next year. That's kind of been my prediction that 27 wins this year, playoffs next year, hopefully yep. get another young player in there. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to wonder, if they go through this February stretch where they're still 500, it wouldn't surprise me to – even though they're selling Drummond for them to be kind of buyers at the deadline. Um, I, Is there I, a play – I'm throwing another one at you. Is there someone you want them to buy? Um, if they were able to clear the free, uh, the cap space, which isn't that difficult if Drummond's off the books, um, I would love to take a run at like a John Collins or Laurie Markin. And oh. um, those are kind of the guys I, I have in mind, like get a long-term four, uh, cause I, I really like Nats, but I, I think he's best as a third big off the bench. Um, okay. just, just from a minute standpoint and managing the load, cause he has had injury issues in the past. Um, but like the, the core of Garland, Sexton, Okoro, and Jared Oof. Allen at the five, you need to get a four in there. So getting an athletic four or a stretch four uh, would go a really long way. So that's all those hunt. Laurie yeah. or John Collins. I'm trying to think which one of those. I haven't I haven't been able to watch any of, of marketing this year, but like I, I remember I'm still on the fumes of his rookie year, like a lot of us. So that yeah. man, that's yeah, fun. he he he's he's been good this year. Like John Collins, obviously, like the thing there would be Atlanta would not want to pay up 
Like if they want to yeah. pay him and he's playing well this year and like if I'm them, I'd pay John Collins. Um, but if they don't, maybe there's a, a deal to be had there either through restricted free agency, sign and trade or whatever the case may be. Uh, shit, I got a very, I shouldn't say gently used, <laughs> a very well <laughs> broken in Kevin Love for them if they want. <laughs> I, I, But if you're not paying John Collins, you're sure as hell not paying Kevin Love. I'm, I'm I was not about full, to say. I'm not full blown insane here. Um, but yeah. Poor, like, poor Kevin that, Love. Yeah, that w- that would be the kind of thing I'd have in mind. Maybe a kind of buy low flyer on someone like Marvin Bagley. Like get a mm-hmm. little more young talent in there um, and, and see what can happen. So uh, that that would be the the kind of deal that I, I would have in mind for them. Okay. All right. But but as as it stands, you're you're cool with like the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth pick in the draft, and then you yeah, know, hopefully yeah. get Ho- that next guy. Hope for some lottery luck. If you don't get it. You know, take take whatever best small forward is there, and and kind of figure things out from there. Like it, it's it's a deep draft. Like I obviously you want to be in the top four. That would be ideal. Like I'd love Kid Cunningham or Kaminga or uh, even Mobley. I, I think Mobley could potentially play the four, kind of a la Chris Bosh in Toronto. Um, but yeah, if you don't get there, like I, I think the most important thing is just the development of the guys that are currently on there, uh, building that winning culture. And you know what? If you just let's say you pick at seven and all you get is a very good starter instead of a franchise cornerstone. If you have enough very good starters and you develop your young guys, you can trade, you, you can trade and consolidate that talent at a later date. So um, I, I don't think there's any one way to, uh, to go about team building. I, but I do think that really focusing on developing a culture and that accountability is your most reliable way to uh, improve yourself. So this is why I was so excited to have you on. I I just I love people who think about the game this way uh, because it's just like you know there's so many there's so many um, I don't know there's so many disparate opinions to me. This is like if you're a Cavs fan, if you're a Knicks fan, I don't know how you watch this year and you like you're not excited about it. it's just it's just nice to have a team where you could turn on and be like they could win this game tonight. It might actually happen. Here's uh, here's the best way to think about the lottery odds. If you have the worst record, or I guess bottom three all has identical odds uh, of getting in the top four, 14% chance. That is the same likelihood of Andre Drummond hitting a three-pointer when he was with the Pistons. (laughs) And and on top of that, don't you have like a 52% chance of falling to five? Like that's, that's, that's more likely than Duncan Robinson or Steph Curry hitting a wide open three pointer. Think about that. Do you want to mortgage your entire season on yeah. Andre Drummond hitting a three over Steph Curry or Duncan Robinson or Kyle Korver or any, whoever you want to pick? Do you want to sacrifice the development of your own young talent for Andre Drummond three pointers? keep that in mind <laughs> that's that is a good way to end it on andre drummond threes um this really has been a lot of fun uh, i'm excited about this game i have a feeling uh, like the last two were it's going to be a close one uh justin <laughs> could you just uh, one more time let the folks at home know where they could find you Absolutely. So you can check out the Chase Down podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Support us there. Tell your friends, leave ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Kazanada. Just take the Canada and slap Cavs in the front end. It looks a whole lot better in writing than it does out loud, but you can find my bad takes there. <laughs> they're, they're, you really need to give yourself more credit. You have good takes, man. <laughs> um, this was a blast. Uh, stick around for one sec. Everybody out there, thank you for listening to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. And uh, we will be back with you with our usual uh, Monday show um, very soon. All right. Be well. Be well.